0: Uh, Good morning and happy Palm Sunday. I'm glad you decided to come join us this morning. Uh, This is our morning service stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, Before Brother Mike uh, brings the message, I did just want to give you all a few announcements. Uh, First of all, uh, as I'm sure you have probably noticed, everything is kind of locked down right now due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, One thing that has kind of been a um, result of that is that the homeless population of Athens has really been struggling. Uh, One of our own members, John Williamson, has been taking notice of that and has um, started a ministry to start uh, gathering items to uh, donate to that cause. So uh, the biggest needs they have right now are non-perishable food items and toilet paper. So if you have anything like that, any water bottles, any other items that you would be happy to donate, uh, what you can do, you can either send us a message on Facebook or you can send us an email at info at fhbcathens.org. Uh, Speaking of donations, we are still accepting donations for our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We do have one more week where we will be collecting. If you are feeling led to donate, please send your offerings to 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Again, that address is 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. If you need any help during this time, uh, please reach out to your deacon, uh, or if you're not a member of the church, you can all a send us a message on Facebook, or an email to info at With this being Holy Week, uh, we will be sending out posts through email and posting on social media for each day, so please be sure to check that out. And we are really looking forward to sharing uh, our Easter service with you next week. Uh, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I do just want to have a quick word of prayer, so if you will, bow with me. Uh, hey, God, I just, just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that we have to just come together Uh, as a digital body and just listen to this message that you're going to bring through Mike this morning. Uh, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts for whatever that message is and that you would just be over us as we go throughout our weeks, um, still trying to uh, beat this pandemic, God. Uh, We know that you have the power to bring us through this and that only through you will we be able to achieve a normal life, God. And we know that you're going to bring that to us. I pray that you uh, you would just be with Brother Mike now as he brings this message, God. Uh, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts for that message and that we would be able to go out and just share your word with those that would come into contact with, God. Uh, I pray that you'd be with any requests that the church body may have, God, that you would just be with them in your own special way. Uh, we love you and we praise you for everything. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.
1: I want to thank you for listening and for watching this uh, program. I do thank you for your prayers, and I want to thank, uh, once again, Ben and David. They uh, they have done so much in making this uh, what it is and being able to uh, get this uh, over the air to, to you people, and I just appreciate that, and Daniel also working with them. I'd like for you to turn once again with me to... Matthew 16 is, we'll be looking at this passage that we have been looking at the last two weeks, and that's on the church. It says, now, when Jesus Christ, in Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus Christ came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said to them but who do you say that i am and simon peter answered and said thou art the christ the son of the living god and jesus answered and said to him blessed are you simon bar jonah because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven And I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now we have looked at the founder of the church, Jesus Christ. We've looked at the foundation, the early uh, disciples that uh, made that profession of faith that was given to them from the Father. You see, it's, it's, it's one thing to know about Christ, but it's another thing to have Christ revealed to you by the Heavenly Father, by way of the Spirit of God. And this is what it ha- had happened to Peter. It was a divine intervention here. It was a divine illumination. It was not of his own, and so uh, Jesus lets him know this, and so we see the foundation of the church, those uh, that will be part of the church, that is built upon uh, who Jesus is, and uh, then we come to the future of the church. Well, you know, you see the, the founder, you see the foundation, but what about the future of the church? What does the Lord have in store for his church? And He says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We have a promise concerning the church. And this promise involves a concept that includes more than just the church itself. So first of all, We need to examine what the scripture means when it says that the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And overpowering it meaning the church. Well, to begin with, we need to understand how the word Hades is is used and what it refers to in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's a place of departed spirits uh, to their abode in the grave. In other words, it's dealing with death. And the gates of Hades seems to best refer to the death and the power of death in this passage. So death is a great enemy of us all. But it was overcome at the cross by Jesus through the resurrection, through the death, burial, and resurrection. It was because of sin that death in, uh, came into the world. And as a part of this curse and the one behind it, which is a Satan, He opposes the church and its mission. So, however, victory is certain for the church, the Lord tells them, both through our future resurrection from the dead and the present spiritual battle against all evil that we may face. Victory over death and Satan, uh, that is sure because of who the Lord is and what he did on Calvary's cross because he's a founder of the church. And he's a savior of the church. Peter stood up at Pentecost and he said, God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now, why did he say that? Because death, hell, and Satan could not stop Jesus. And nor can it stop uh, his church and its purpose and mission. So Jesus, the founder of the church, could not be stopped, and so he is the one with the authority to help us in overcoming uh, Satan's attempts and all that is thrown as hindrances before us to keep us from being the church that we need to be. Now, the second thing that needs to be looked at is the word gate and how it's used in the Bible. Uh, In the Bible, gate is dealt with uh, as authority, there's authority associated, in other words, with it. Uh, it was a symbol of the city's strength. It was a seat of power, and the city hall, and the cil- uh, city elders. They would sit at the city gates to conduct the uh, the business of the city and render the decisions on behalf of the citizens and the city. So. Uh, as we look at this, we see that Jesus is speaking of death primarily uh, as uh, you know, the, uh, the, the thing that he overcame at the cross uh, that we need not be afraid of and, and we, not, we need not let that hold us back. But also he was speaking of the satanic activity or authority behind that. Uh, against the church. And Jesus is guaranteeing that death nor Satan's authority will prevail against the church. When Jesus died on the cross, Scripture tells us death was swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, which was brought on by Satan. And the power of sin is the law. And But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. Jesus is saying, my church is unstoppable. And that's great to know because he is unstoppable. Satan cannot corral it. Uh, Nothing can overpower or uh, silence its community of faith. Even the power of death itself or any authority from Satan cannot overtake it. The Lord's church will go on, even if its individual members should die. So when the church is doing its job, this is why the church is so important. When the church is doing its job, all of society benefits because the Lord has made it that way and he has set it up that way. This is why the church is the most important entity in the world at this time. Unfortunately, the church cannot and will not understand, uh, or the world, excuse me, cannot and will not understand the importance of the church until the church, with its restraining and sanctifying influence, is raptured away. That's when all hell and uh, all chaos will break loose on earth. Jesus has defeated death and Satan. Satan will continue to, uh, to uh, try and defeat the church. Even though the ultimate battle has already been won at the cross, he will not give up. But Jesus has paid the price. He has provided the victory. Jesus guarantees us that death hell, nor Satan, and his authority will win because he has risen from the dead. Now, another thing we need to notice about this passage is that Jesus did not give Peter the keys to the church. Now, please hear me out here. In verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Basileia, meaning rule or authority of heaven. We need to understand that. That's so very important. The church and the kingdom are not synonymous. The kingdom here does not refer to called out body of believers. The kingdom refers to God's comprehensive rule over all his creation. In other words, the church is limited whereas the kingdom is comprehensive. Now Jesus was given the keys which stand for access, but what does that mean? It means that Jesus was giving his people, his community of believers, access to the resources of his all-encompassing kingdom. Now, aren't you glad that Jesus did not limit his resources just to the resources of the church? The kingdom is much bigger than the church. The church exists for the kingdom and not just for the church. It's likely that Jesus was referring to the keys commonly held by the scribes as a symbol of their teaching function. They were teachers of the Scripture, in other words. That tells us that the job of the church is to to help establish the rule of God in the hearts of his people. Bringing the values and priorities of God's kingdom to bear on every aspect of our culture. Every aspect of it. That's the neat thing about it. God created the church to be his agency in this age, representing his bigger plan, which is his kingdom, his rule, his reign, to show the world, to show this created earth how it ought to operate. This is one of the reasons why Satan worked so hard to keep the church divided so that it will be ineffective. It will be majoring on the minors instead of the majors. And so he does not want the church to be, Satan does, effective in its use. So he is constantly trying to divide it and, and confuse it and, and to get it misdirected. The purpose of the church is to effectively carry out the authority of the kingdom, this is the future of the church. We're to let the people know how lives should look as they are lived under the authority of Christ. Carrying out the authority of the kingdom involves having a ruler, having rulees, having a realm, and and having regulations. So. We today have a problem in defining God's kingdom. The reason being is we secularize it and politicize the kingdom too much. By that, I mean we allow our culture and and government to tell us how to live and how we should worship. I'm not talking about this crisis, what would be best health-wise and all this. Temporarily. What I'm talking about is what the truths are, the principles are that are in the Word of God for us to learn and to live before a world that needs to see it and to see it in operation. We allow our secular society a lot of times to dictate us what is best as far as maybe raising our children. And it may go in opposition to what God teaches And what he says is best, we allow our culture to define truth for us, which may not be truth. We depend on the government long to bring about peace and prosperity when we should show the world that God is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who can provide. He's the one who works through us and gives us the strength and the ability and wisdom to to make money and to to carry out the jobs and to do these things. And, And He's the one who brings about peace in our hearts and our souls. What we've forgotten as churches is that when we were born from above, the kingdom of God was set up in our hearts so that it might reach to and direct the circumference of our lives. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world in John eighteen thirty six, In other words, he said, this, His kingdom is not of this world. It, he, uh, you know, he says it didn't originate here with this earth. It originated in heaven from eternity past. Having a heavenly agenda, that's what will affect us and all that we do. Not having an earthly agenda, allowing the earthly agenda to be in tune with our heavenly agenda. This means doing things God's way instead of our way or the culture's way. The Lord's Prayer, some call it the, you know, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Others call it the model prayer. We're told by Jesus to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. In other words, as God's people, we're not limited by the choices that the world has to offer. The agenda of God is his comprehensive rule being applied and manifested in and through every area of our lives as believers. Let's just take marriage trying to have a marriage the world's way you may have a lot of problems you may have a lot of difficulties that if you did it God's way and were obedient to him in understanding the different roles there and understanding the, the, uh, the purpose there then it could be entirely different it's not equal on each side and what, let's just come together and compromise. No, it's let's come together and do God's will. The man and the woman and God. Let's grow together and as we do, we grow closer to one another. Showing the world that we can work out our differences because we are seeking God's purpose. not God's will, not our will. And, you know, this, this needs to be so. And the only way that we can do it is to bring those keys down through His Word from God's kingdom. He lets us know, He's given them to us, how to live before a society that is so confused about what marriage is all about. It's between husband and wife. It's between man and woman. And it's to be really meant for a lifetime. This is why we shouldn't take it lightly when we enter into it. And then there's other things. You know, what about our business our working in the, uh, the, the world? Uh, according to the methods of the culture, sometimes getting ahead, it doesn't matter what you do to get ahead stepping on someone else, talking about others behind their back, running them down, trying to get their job. That is not God's way, and we should show the world that we know what is best by the way we live, by the way we approach business, by doing the best that we can. Because, you see, we're not working for that boss, even though we're trying to help the business, perhaps. We're working to honor God. Wherever we are, this is how we can get along. When it's difficult, I'm not talking about easy, with someone else who is over us at work, we look at them and we look beyond them and we see God and we say, we're doing this for God and we're going to do it the right way. Raising our children. Teaching them what is right. Not teaching them that they're entitled to everything that everybody has their rights, what about responsibilities that come with those? Awesome responsibilities. Teaching them that, that, you know, okay, there are times when you will win at things. There are times when you'll get to play in activities and play on ball teams, but you may not be equipped like someone else. And so in turn, you may not get to play. That's okay. You just give it your best. You're not playing for the coach or anybody else necessarily. You go beyond that. You're playing to please God. The kingdom again, agenda, God's agenda, is in a culture with the culture's agenda. Jesus said, Everyone who is of truth hears my voice in John eighteen thirty-seven, That tells us that God's agenda... We'll be in opposition to the world's. And we live in a world where a commitment to truth no longer exists. And what we must do is make sure that we live it according to God's agenda. What the world so often wants is convenience. And convenience produces compromise. And... Living a life of compromise does away with any absolute standards if we're not careful. And one that states what is right and wrong, good and bad, is mixed. And we don't have that foundational truth. Christians, though, the church must get back to believing in absolute truth, an absolute governing standard. That from the kingdom of God. That from the Word of God. You know, for that to happen, we must stop thinking that convenience is meant to be the way of life, necessarily. We may experience that, but that should not be our ultimate goal. Disobedience to our kingdom calling means running the risk of wandering off the pathway of purpose and into the wilderness of waste. And that's what so often happens when we are putting as our priority convenience above truth. God enables us to live out our purpose. But it is up to us by the way of our choices and character to remain on God's pathway, His kingdom pathway, so that we can bring honor and glory to God. And we can be fulfilled as Christians. And we can demonstrate to a world that God's rule is best. We are to live for Jesus and His kingdom, which involves a church living by God's Word and the absolute truth for all of us. We don't need to invest the best years of our life in the things that will not last. We need to invest in the imperishables, and that is God's agenda. Now, how do we accomplish that? Well, with the keys to the kingdom. See, Satan and his army will try and stop you from succeeding. But every time hell tries to stop the building of the church, the church is to pull out the keys corresponding to the gates that hell has opened. However, Satan is tempting us to lean this way or to go that way, to compromise here. And we are to pull those keys out to the kingdom and we are to make sure that we are living by them. God's truth. There are resources behind each door to meet every gate that opposes us. The keys represent the supernatural uh, revealed truth of God which Peter and the other disciples had begun to receive. And they are the guidelines for our lives to live by faith. They're given to us from above through His Word and understood by the Holy Spirit from above, who, lives, who has come to live in us by way of the Holy Spirit. And God's grace from above that empowers us to live out God's agenda here on earth according to His rules. So Jesus says, and what Ever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Here Jesus is talking about the authority that the church has been given as a gift from heaven. Too many churches and members seek power instead of living under God's authority. The authority is God's authority. That's that's the only authority that we are to live under. And then we can live according to the the rules of of this land properly. Satan isn't afraid of power mongers, but he cannot stand against the authority of Christ and that authority which has been given to the church. The authority is the Lord's authority, telling us from His word what is forbidden and what is permitted. That's what it talks about when he talks about you know the uh, uh, the keys here and and uh, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. You see, Jesus was using a tense, and that, that uh, that's very important here. He's uh, basically saying, insofar as we rightly divide the Scripture, we will have decided things on the basis of what God has already decided in heaven, what to do and what not to do. Reason so many believers are struggling is that we want to have God bless our agenda instead of us fulfilling His agenda. Our opinions instead of living by His truths. Sad but true. Absolute truth is not always the governing standards, but it should be. If you understand my kingdom, you would know the truth, Jesus says. We need to know the truth.
0: Thank you. Thank you for bringing us that wonderful message, Brother Mike. Uh, Please be sure to join us again tonight as we'll be continuing to study the book of Esther. We look forward to uh, seeing you again tonight. and We hope you have a great rest of your day.